sometimes you have to be the first. And just because you don't see someone who looks like you or comes from your background doing something you want to do doesn't mean it's not possible, but it does mean that you might need to be the first. And there's many parts of my life where I've had to be the first, either in my community or my family, and it's very uncomfortable. But I wish that I had known that sooner because I didn't really start to try it until my 20s. So I think that that's the biggest thing is know that it's never necessarily impossible, but yes, you might need to be the first person to, to break those barriers or to do what you want to accomplish. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Today I have another amazing guest for you. I'm feeling so lit up by all the very passionate, brilliant, beautiful women who have been joining me on the podcast. I hope that you are enjoying the podcast episodes with them as much as I am enjoying interviewing them. Um, today is no exception. We have Charday Rael, who is a Brazilian American wellness entrepreneur and behavior change specialist, and she helps women celebrate their bodies, magnify their voices, and live life boldly. As a coach and host of the Feel Good Naked podcast, she shares a path to well-being beyond the scale and without all the rules. Um, she was just, uh, she just had an article published in Forbes. She's doing some really, really incredible work. And I really loved hearing her take on the body confidence movement, the body positive movement, the body uh, neutrality movement. It's just all so magical to hear uh, and to know that wherever we are, um, whether we're young girls who need to know how to respond to people who are constantly uh, commenting on our weight, or whether we are parents who are raising young girls and need to know what is the verbiage, what are the patterns, what are what do we need to break, and what do we need to perpetuate. Um, she's got it all covered, and it's amazing. And I was saying to her after we stopped recording that she and I literally speak the same language, right? We just speak different dialects. Uh, we both speak the language of empowerment, and it's always nice to bring in women who are showing us a different perspective. So I really, really enjoyed this episode. And I believe as we speak, as this episode is airing, it's Charday's birthday. So please send some happy energy, um, good vibes to her and uh, wishing you a very happy birthday, Charday. And thank you for being my guest. I hope you all enjoy this episode. Do you ever feel like you wish you could do more for this generation of girls, our future generation of women, like actually be a change agent on the front lines and introduce girls to their many superpowers? I always ask myself this question, who would I be today if as a young girl, I was told that I am powerful beyond measure? Who would you be, beautiful listener? I know it in my heart that it's time that girls are taught from as young an age as possible that they have everything they need within them to create a beautiful life. Why do we need to wait until our 30s and 40s to finally start feeling good in our skin, with our own thoughts, in our own bodies? The stats are that a girl's self-confidence peaks at age nine. This is a stat that I can't live with, and I'm literally in the business of changing. 
If you too feel the feels when you hear this and want to learn more about what you can do, like our 190 facilitators across the globe are doing to start running their girls empowerment workshops, events, businesses, I want you to learn more about the Girl Life Academy. It's time for all women to step into a career that adds value to the planet, rewards us personally, professionally, spiritually, and financially. We are welcoming new heart-centered girl life facilitators all year around to run our curriculum in their local communities. We provide you with the certification, the business know-how, a supportive community, and so much more to get your girl's empowerment endeavor off the ground in a smooth yet powerful way. To learn more about the application process and how you can make the Girl Life Academy a part of your personal reality, go to www.girllifeempowerment.com. That's with one L, www.girllifeempowerment.com or check out our show notes to learn more. Welcome to the podcast, Charday. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. You know, it's awesome when I get to chat with someone who speaks the same language as me, like, and I mean the language of girls empowerment and women empowerment. And it's so good to, um, to highlight you and all the amazing things that you're doing to, to really bring to the forefront this like movement of body positivity and women celebrating themselves and girls celebrating themselves. Uh, what I'd love to know is how did you get here? Like, why this topic? Why now? It's been a windy road. Let's just say that it's been very windy. So I'm a bit different because I was in the fitness world for almost a decade, but I started out in corporate. So I didn't, you know, go in and do my whole physical certification when I was 18. I did not plan to have this life at all. I was going to be a diplomat. That's what I was studying for. Very different life. Right. And I, you know, the things I've done, I never, the amount of skin I've shown, I would never have done that in that life, but. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I think that what happened was, I really wanted to have impact and I really wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't know how to express that, especially because this is, I'm an older millennial, that generation, it was not as easy as it is now to do those kind of things or as acceptable. And I think I tried to do things the way that everyone said to do it, you know, go to school, get your degree, then you get employed by a big company. Then maybe one day you do what you actually want to when you're 50. So that was what I started with. And it just didn't work for me. I was in very male dominated spaces that at the time were not accepting of women. And there was some outright sexism. And I felt very marginalized. I felt that I was losing some of the empowerment that I had felt most of my life because I grew up with a really strong mom. Mm. And I made the decision because it was so mentally difficult for me to just quit. So I left my career. I was 26, 27, and I went to Brazil, which I'm half Brazilian, so it's my happy place. Nice. And there I kind of just reconnected with my body, with myself, with my power again, because I really did feel completely depleted when I left. And I was also in New York, which, you know, is super high-strung energy. (laughs) 
That's where I am. Is that where you? Yeah. Although I I'm on the outs, like be. I'm, I'm in the suburbs. I'm not in the city, okay. but I know what you mean because even just here in yeah. Long Island, it can be a little much sometimes. So I feel yeah. you. Yeah, you did it right, though. I think you've you got to be a little bit outside. And you can right. come in for the fun, but being in the center of it, it just wears on you after a few years. Sure. So that was the beginning of the journey. Was going to Brazil. And reconnecting with my body and realizing that I didn't want to go back to a life where I felt so separated from it and so disempowered. Mm. Oh my God, that's so powerful. I mean, the first thing is really like that, that I was hearing you say is like giving yourself the permission to walk away from something that you thought you wanted and needed to do. And you yeah. had all the good reasons and you said, I just quit. And I love that because sometimes, you know, there's such a stigma associated with quitting, like the word quitting. And sometimes it's excellent to be a quitter because you're moving in the direction of your heart. And when you know it so deeply, then saying yes to yourself in that way is such like a revolution, right? Especially for women, it's like literally a revolution. So I love that you gave yourself permission to do that. And of course, like, I'm wondering why, why is it that in Brazil, you were able to find yourself? Like, what is it about the culture there that brought you to to this space? I guess I didn't know it at the time. You know, I couldn't really put words to it. It was just a sense. And we have this a lot, this sense of places or people that called to us and we don't really know why. And for me, that was Brazil for a long time. But what I can say now is I think that because it's so open, there's not a lot of repression in terms of how you relate to your bodies, your sexuality. Like It's very open here. And I think that living that life where you can just be completely who you are. I mean, you see all kinds of bodies as well in bikinis. Like Everyone is just doing it. There is diet culture here, but there's this also acceptance of the body mm. and the idea that all bodies are okay. And all bodies can wear different outfits and all bodies can wear bikinis and also this focus on health, like especially here in Rio. I'm actually back here now nice. for the winter and it's the same focus of there's so much attention to health. People will be running. You'll see 80 year olds running along the beach. You'll see people, you know, having a nice juice and just sitting down. There's just this attention to to balance. And I think that that's the combination of the balance and the body acceptance is what really just kind of refreshed me. Wow. That is refreshing. It really just sounds so good. Um, and it's my wish for every girl and woman, right. To like, to, to celebrate themselves in that way to like, just like you said, all bodies are beautiful bodies. Yeah. And like, wouldn't it be so nice if every young girl could know that, and I'm wondering, like, does that culture trickle down into the younger generation? Like, are girls taught to celebrate themselves in Brazil? And if so, how do we bring some of that here? I know we're on a mission, <laughs> and we're trying to do it, but but there's too much um, that's challenging our girls right now in the media and culture and and Photoshop photos and filters. And it's like, it's so much pressure for these girls to be who they are when everywhere they look, someone else is telling them who they should be and what they should look like. Yeah, I, I will say this. I think it has changed here a lot since when I first came, which was, you know, 15 years ago. But so there is a little bit of that still. There's definitely the pressure, the filters, always having the makeup on, being a certain size. But there's still this underlying current of 
not having the body shame. And I think that that is the biggest thing. If you don't have body shame and you don't have this constant message about it, it changes the way, even if you are someone who ends up going on a diet or feeling different in your body, if you're not constantly told that you're wrong, that it's evil, like all these messaging that we get, I feel that it changes you and you can be a little bit more grounded. And I do see that with people here that like mm. some of the people don't think twice about putting a bikini on. And it took me until I was 30 to be comfortable with it. Wow. You know? Wow. That is something. Um, mm. Body shame. You said this body shaming, like, can you tell us in your own words, like what is body shaming and how is that something that our girls and women are experiencing always more than men, really like men can do and be whoever they want. It seems and as women, we're, there's so much scrutiny about the way that we look, about the way our bodies look. Yeah, the shame I feel comes from a few different places. Like first you have the social shaming, right? The idea of it's a girl's responsibility to cover up or act a certain way. This still exists so that men don't respond. You know, it's up to us to make sure men behave properly. And so there's that shame around revealing your body and what it means if you do reveal it or if you wear something that that somehow conveys that you're easy or you're less intelligent or anything like that. So there's the social messaging around that. Then you also have the parental messaging, which is something I never got, thankfully, but I know that a lot of women in my life have of this, you know, small messages, things like, oh, you don't want to eat that again because it'll add to your belly. You know, oh, didn't you just eat? We're not going to have any more food here. Um, it, your shorts are getting a little tight, like all of these comments that teach women to be uncomfortable in their bodies. And a lot of times I don't think parents even realize they're doing it. Like, it's just so common that they don't think about how they might be harmony, harming their children without realizing it. And if you hear that message for 10 years, yeah. it's a lot of time to unlearn it. So I think that it's the social level, but it's also the parental level. And then you have it kind of internalized from both of those. So if you hear it so many times out here and in the home, then you start to develop this inner voice of always criticizing different parts of your body, never feeling like you should wear something or go for something or be around someone. And it doesn't seem to be related to it's it's not relegated just to people who are in bigger bodies. I see this with people who are in smaller bodies as well. Wow. Yeah. You're so right. The, the, you know, that parental messaging is so important. And like, even myself, like, I'm sure that I have said things like I, I dwell in this world. This is what I live and breathe. And I'm sure I've said certain things about food with a health focus, right? Because I'm a health coach also. And it's important to me that my kids are eating healthy foods. But sometimes even our well-meaning messages can be heard from our girls in um, in a different way than we intended. And I think part of that is because of what's going on outside of the home as well. Like I remember when I was, I don't know, from the time I was probably about 12 until I got married, I remember people saying to me like in my fam family unit, like not my parents, um, but just like people would see me and be like, oh, you lost five pounds. Oh, you gained five pounds. Oh, your butt got bigger. Oh, and it's like, oh my goodness. And like, boy, did that sit with me. Like it really sat with me. Thankfully, I have a, 
I, I like to think I have a beautiful relationship with my body today and that's taken a lot of work, but that I, I would be kidding myself if I said that I didn't still hear those words, somebody else's words that were creating my reality. So it's like, A, how do we get, and I, I'm, you know, I think, I think we can brainstorm on answers to this, but I'd love to know your thoughts. It's like, how do we get, um, the parents a to to give the right messaging to the kids how do we reach them other than things like podcasts like this and books like are they going to listen are they going to pick up a book that talks about this and b we can't control everything and everyone and our kids are not always with us right there will be other people feeding them other messages so like what do we do how do we protect them from um from this world that is just constantly, constantly, constantly telling them who to be. And I keep going back to that phrase, but it's just so true. And what you said is so accurate in many ways, because for example, you know, I told you my mom and I was raised mostly by my mom and she never, ever once said any messaging that made me feel self-conscious in my body, even when I had gained quite a bit of weight but I still felt this shame because outside of the home, like you're talking about, you can do everything right as the parent, you can say everything properly, but in the end, they're still gonna have friends and peers and messaging, and especially now when they're online all the time, it is hard. So the biggest thing that I find from speaking with other parents and just also working with clients is if you can introduce messaging so it's hard to watch what you say all the time it's very easy that maybe something slips that's very hard to do but you can consciously add in messaging you can say things like oh you know you're you're getting so strong from this activity right like i'm so proud of you for getting so strong or other things not related to their body in terms of accomplishments or the way that they look one of the things i had a parent come on the show on my podcast month ago and she said something really lovely which is when her girl is outgrowing outfits she doesn't say you're too big for them she says oh you're growing up so much you're growing so tall we need to get you outfits for growing up for being an adult and that i think is a small thing because it's very easy to say oh you're too big for this or this outfit's too small for you (laughs) you know right absolutely adding in as much as you can do. But again, it's like anything else, like you can instruct them in everything in terms of, you know, be moderate with different, with alcohol, with drugs, all of that stuff, avoid it. You can do all of that, but in the end, it's kind of up to them, right? When they're out in the world. So I think it's kind of similar in terms of you add the messaging that you can. And the big thing I always suggest for women, but I think for girls as well, is get them in some sort of physical activity so they can appreciate their bodies for more than just the way they look. Mm. I think that's really a big thing. And it doesn't have to be organized sports. I hated them, so it doesn't have to be that. <laughs> right, yeah, like something else that that yeah. reminds them how strong and capable that they are, exactly. that they feel proud of, right? Yeah, dance, anything, even something you do with them once a week, but just something that makes them discover their bodies as more than just the way they look, because I think most of us, discover our bodies as, oh, it doesn't look this way, or it's not this way, instead of understanding the power that they have. I love that. I love that. And, you know, 
I'm just like hearing our listeners and I'm, I'm thinking they might be wondering, okay, but what if my kid doesn't want to do any of that? Right? Like, how can I encourage something that they're so not interested in? It needs to be, you have to completely find something that they want to do because I relate to this. You know, I was the kid that my mom put me in gymnastics. I hated it. We had mandatory sports. I didn't like those. I wasn't good at them, but when I finally found what I enjoy, which is calisthenics, it's an individual sport. It's something that feels like play. So I really believe if you keep introducing them to things, like let them experiment, take them to small classes, then they can find something that is for them. And it doesn't need to be so organized. It literally can be once a week. It can be something like, oh, we go walk up this hill. Like It doesn't have to be something so regimented as in, I'm going to put them in soccer league. It can be very open, but it's about allowing them to find what they want to do. Because I agree, I was forced to do sports I didn't like. And it meant for years, I had this relationship with fitness where I felt like I was never good enough and I didn't want to play or do anything. Mm, Yeah, no, that's such an important point that you're making. I like how you're saying expose them to different things, right? Uh And ultimately, let them decide, like let them decide what they'll continue with and what they won't continue with and what they love. Um, and something else that I feel as parents that we, we can do is like, sometimes our words will only take us so far, right? Sometimes it's our actions. Sometimes it's what we model. Like, um, what are we doing for our health? Like, I know my husband's like a health nut and he's always doing something. He's either, I don't know, he's jumping out of helicopters to ski, which <laughs> I, I, I so don't support. I support him, but like it scares the bejesus out of me. But anyways, um, but I see my daughter is modeling herself after him wanting to have that healthy lifestyle. Or like I have a yoga practice every night, like for 15 to 20 minutes before I go to bed, that's what I'm doing. And once in a while, one of my daughters will come and she'll join me. So whether she's like do like noticing it and joining me or just noticing it and placing it somewhere in her subconscious mind, I know that there's a messaging there that like we we need to take care of our own wellness, right? And so um just knowing like sometimes we as parents we have this wish like I want my kid to do this and I want my kid to be that and it's like okay, let's look in the mirror. What are we doing? How are we how do we scale it back? Let's let's do that wellness routine for ourselves and hopefully that will be passed on to our girls. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. that's a, this is an incredible point because for me, my mom was athletic, but then when she had kids, she was not. So I never saw her doing anything. Mm-hmm. And that made it where I didn't particularly, I was already not great at fitness. I was forced to do it and I didn't see her doing it. And I believe that you're right. You know, if you see your parents doing this stuff, you want to join in. And there's, I wish I could remember the name of it. There's a guy on Instagram and he does super calisthenics. You know, he's doing muscle ups and pull ups and his five-year-old daughter is doing them too now because she saw her daddy doing it. And she, this girl's five years old and she can do more pull ups than me. It's, oh my God, (laughs) I love it. Talk about starting them young, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I'm sure she's doing it because she sees daddy doing it. It's not, I don't think that she woke up one day and decided to just do it. So that's a really important thing is modeling behavior, not just for your kids, but also for you know anyone in your family, for your friends. We're always inspiring people, whether we realize it or not. For sure. No, for sure. Absolutely. I'm going to take like a little pivot here because yeah. this is something I'd really love to know about. 
what are some of the unique self-image obstacles facing minorities? Because I noticed that that's becoming prevalent or it's been prevalent. How do we, how do we manage that? How do we navigate that and why? Yeah, I think the first thing is, and this is changing, which is fantastic, is we have to see ourselves in those spaces. We have to see ourselves in the health space, in the fitness space, in the on magazine space. I remember, and you might remember this too, when I was growing up, I don't think there was anyone that was darker than had a tan on any sort of magazine cover. It was just, that's the way it was. And there was never anyone that had naturally curly big hair, which I have. Mm -hmm. And I never saw that. So for me, it was never something that I could aspire to because I didn't see that as a possible thing. I I didn't have, it wasn't beautiful to look the way that I did. So I would never try for those things. So the biggest thing is to be able to see yourself in those spaces. And I, that is happening so much more, not just with different minorities, but also with body shapes. And that's a huge thing to know that you can do yoga at any size, to know that you can be a model at any ethnicity. That's the, the biggest thing, but also A lot of the research that is done for fitness, for example, has traditionally been based on white men. (laughs) Okay. And I think that we need to start doing research around how does it influence, first of all, women as well. How does fitness impact their bodies so we can understand what is best for them, but also for minorities, because I know I have wider hips, bigger bum, and the BMI for me is actually considered unhealthy if you're comparing it on a standard scale, but I have a different body composition. So we need to really look at what are the frameworks we're using to judge beauty and health and how can we start to make them more inclusive of minorities, acknowledging that there is you know, a difference in that way. That's so, so important. Yeah. Like sometimes those metrics, they're just so off, right? Like, like it's not the right message, like to, to have to look at the numbers and focus on that. I always say like, throw away the freaking scale. Like, why do we even need scales? It's like, if I wake up each morning and I feel good in my body and I feel healthy and I feel whole, that's all that should matter, right? Like, why are we always looking outside of ourselves for the answers when the the most important answers are truly within? So uh, I really appreciate you saying that. And I love what you're saying about, you know, celebrating ethnicities and sizes and making it like making our world an inclusive space, because at the end of the day, like the whole world is not a white woman with, with, straight hair. You know what I'm saying? Like we need to see ourselves in the media, in culture, in things like this. And I think it starts with the individual, right? Like we may not be able to change the system as a whole, but if we can show up in our uniqueness, I think it it makes us all more able to celebrate one another. And, you know, it's just, it's a beautiful thing that our diversity is what makes us beautiful. So Agree. And it's, it's crazy because if you think about it, the majority of the population, especially in the States is, is not white anymore. Like people are mixed. It's different or they're different ethnicities. And it's, 
really wild that they can't see themselves represented in in different areas so i think it's time like it's been changing which is great i have a friend who she's a personal trainer and she's a beautiful black lady who's bald Mm -hmm. and she did this picture on instagram showing that they finally made a barbie that looked like her and she was so excited because she said you know look finally i can see me and for someone who's grown up, you know, white, blonde, straight hair, this is such a, you don't even think about it because of course you always saw that. But for her, it's, you know, she's 40 years old and this is the first time that she's seen herself celebrated in a play toy that the girls use every single day. That is so beautiful. And I, I can even remember like being a little girl in the eighties, right. And seeing Barbie, because that's what we played with. Those were the gifts that we were given. And even back then wondering, like, here I am, a Persian girl, Jewish girl, looking at this blonde Barbie. And I'm like, she's so pretty. And I wish I could look like her because that was the image that that was laid out for us about what it is to be pretty. Like, why weren't they creating Barbies that looked like me and Barbies that looked like you, right? And of course, that makes you think that you're wrong or you're not as you should be. So I love that that Barbie is finally doing things like this as well. And, and I know that a lot of toy manufacturers have done similar things. And it's yeah. about freaking time is what I have to say. <laughs> right? Um, okay. Yeah, about time. So I, I'm going to go back to what we were talking about before, because this one is weighing on me too. Like, so the story that I shared about people talking to me um, about you gained weight, you lost weight, your butt got bigger, things like that. Um, what if there's a young girl listening right now or a parent of a young girl who wants to give their daughter tools and ways to respond to someone who says these inappropriate comments any thoughts on how we can guide them to, to be kind, right? But to also state their truth and be firm. Yeah, I mean, I think you do have to be firm. And one of the things that we tend to do a lot of times, for example, if someone says, oh, you lost weight, is we tend to say, oh, thank you. Mm, oh, thank you. Right. Yeah, thank you. Even if you didn't mean to, you know, for example, I've had my wisdom tooth removed and I've had complications. So I've been eating soup. I'm sure I've lost weight. If someone says to me, oh, you lost weight, that's not a compliment. I've been in pain. (laughs) So I think that's the first thing is to not, to not, to learn to not necessarily say thank you. That doesn't determine your worth because you've lost weight. But the other thing is to say, I don't talk about my body with others. My body is my own. I don't talk about it. This is not something that I want to hear, you know, or I, you can even say, you can be very honest if it's family members, for example, and say, I'm working on my body image. This is triggering for me. Oh, yeah. That's it. And it's hard. I'm going to admit, it's very hard to say to strangers or acquaintances, but it's so important. I think also as the parent or as the friend to avoid saying things like that about people's appearance. So recently we went to see a friend and I know that she struggles with, Um, She's had eating disorders. She has body dysmorphia and she was looking a lot leaner. And I purposely did not say you look thinner. I did not say it. I made an effort to not say it. My husband didn't say it because we knew that for her, that would be like, oh, I'm like so much worthy. I'm so much better. So I didn't say it, you know, and I think that that's the big thing, too, is it's not just responding to people. It's thinking about what you say to them as well. 
For sure. For sure. We talk about this a lot in the girl life community is like, how do we greet a girl? Like, mm-hmm. what's the first thing that we say to her? We notice that people are always saying things like, you're so cute. You're so pretty. You're so this. And it's like, can we please focus on something that is a little bit deeper, um, deep into the foundation of who this girl is, what her interests are, what her passions are, what lights her up, what books she's reading, what she like, what she loves learning about in school. Why does it always tie back to the appearance? And when we continuously put focus on that appearance, that is where the child places her focus as well. And it's just not a healthy thing to constantly be worried about the way that you look and the way you appear to others. It's just not. It's great to celebrate yourself and love what you see in the mirror, right? But you don't want to be doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. I think that that's the thing. And I really try to push this because you mentioned at the beginning of the interview, you know, that I'm trying to promote this message of body positivity, but it's also this idea of body positivity tied up in health. So trying to get health away from diet culture Mm -hmm. to accept that we can nourish our bodies, but we don't need to focus so much on the way that they look, because I feel that body positivity is an amazing movement, but it also has kind of taken away the health angle a little bit. And I think some people feel like if I mention that I also want to get healthy, that's somehow I don't accept my body anymore. And that doesn't have to be the case. You know, you can go for both. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So in terms of the entanglement or the... Yeah, like the last thing that you said, um, it doesn't have to be both. Like help help me understand this a little bit, disseminate it for me. So... A lot of people have this impression, and it's because of who is talking most in the body positivity movement, is this idea of, I'm going to love my body no matter what, which is 100% fine, and you should and can, but I think it also kind of alienates some people because they think, well, what if that's not possible for me, for example? What if I don't feel like I can love my body? What if that's not something I can do? I don't have that confidence. I have so many years of struggling with it. And for those people, what you can focus on is more body neutrality. And body neutrality is all about accepting what my body can do, taking care of my body, not taking care of it because I wanted to get smaller or firmer or you know, quote unquote better, but taking care of it so that I can do more so I can live more life. And for me, I just think that you can do both then in that way you are focusing on health, but you're not focusing so much on the numbers or how you look. So I just want people to know that that's possible. (laughs) You know, like you can do that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And as we age, because inevitably, if we are all still here on this planet, we are aging, right? And we are grateful for it. We need to be grateful for it. But that is such a positive way to age, right? Like, what can my body do? What is the function of my body? Um, Feels so much better than let me exercise and let me eat healthy just so I can be thin or lose belly fat. So like that is super inspiring and super empowering. And I think um, a beautiful, beautiful note to end on. Um, But before we do two things. First of all, anything else you'd like to share with our audience that we didn't get a chance to to touch on? I think we covered the most important aspects of this whole movement, which is the inclusivity 
for body shape, for minorities, this idea of the messaging you pass on to your children and to young girls around you. It's just kind of highlights, doesn't it, that for things to change, it really is in multiple different pillars that we have to focus. Absolutely. Beautifully said. And something that I either always start the podcast with or end the podcast with today, we're ending it with this. If there's one thing that you could share with your eight-year-old self, what would it be? I'm I'm taking a moment for everyone listening. No, I appreciate that. I love that because I know that you're truly thinking about it and reflecting. I'm sure there are probably 12 messages that you'd like to give to your eight-year-old self, but it's like, what is the one that really could have served her? I think the biggest one is sometimes you have to be the first. And just because you don't see someone who looks like you or comes from your background doing something you want to do doesn't mean it's not possible, but it does mean that you might need to be the first. And there's many parts of my life where I've had to be the first, either in my community or my family. And it's very uncomfortable, but I wish that I had known that sooner because I didn't really start to try it until my 20s. So I think that that's the biggest thing is know that it's never necessarily impossible. But yes, you might need to be the first person to to break those barriers or to do what you want to accomplish. I love that answer. Perhaps one of the favorite answers I've ever heard on this podcast. Um, Because wow, boy, does that give people permission to do something that's different. I love that. Thank you so, so much for being here with us, Jarday. You've been so generous with your knowledge and your wisdom. And please let our amazing audience know where can they find you? How can they get to know more about you and all the incredible work that you're doing? Yeah. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me. I really, it's been a great conversation. I loved it. Um, I can be found on feelgoodnaked.com and that's naked without the E. That's also the name of the podcast. And you can see all the links there to Instagram, to my work. So feel good naked. Amazing. Thank you for being here with me. Loved our conversation. Thank you. If you love what you're hearing on the Empowering Her podcast, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a five-star review. And as a thank you, I would love to share a free audio with you called Claiming Your Enoughness Now. Simply share a screenshot of your review with me on Instagram at Girl Life Empowerment with one L, either in the DMs or in a story, and I will send the gift your way. Thank you so much for your listenership. I can't express how much it means to me.